0: chapter 20 in the Old Testament. We're going to be in Judges, chapter 20. The last time we were in Judges, in chapter 19, we saw the tragic story of the Levite and his concubine and the resulting war that ensued between Israel and Benjamin. Yes, Judges, chapter 20. Verse 1. It says, Then all the children of Israel came out from Dan to Beersheba, as well as from the land of Gilead, and the congregation gathered together as one man before the Lord at Mizpah. And the leaders of all the people, all the tribes of Israel, presented themselves in the assembly of the people of God, 400,000 foot soldiers who drew the sword. Now the children of Benjamin heard that the children of Israel had gone up to Mizpah. Then the children of Israel said, tell us, how did this wicked deed happen? So the Levite, the husband of the woman who was murdered, answered and said, my concubine and I went into Gibeah, which belongs to Benjamin, to spend the night. And the men of Gibeah rose against me and surrounded the house at night because of me. They intended to kill me, but instead they ravished my concubine so that she died. So I took hold of my concubine, cut her in pieces, and set her throughout all the territory of the inheritance of Israel, because they committed lewdness and outrage in Israel. Look, all of you are children of Israel. Give your advice and counsel here and now. So this really wraps up. We have one more chapter of Judges. Um, The last chapter was not enjoyable to teach. Some parts of the Bible... Uh, they are, well, all parts of the Bible are God's word, but uh, this, some parts of the Bible have a characterization of such wickedness among God's people. And the world at the time, it's just recorded in Scripture. It's historical. We read it. Uh, I like what Arnie said when we were cap, um, covering chapter 19. Again, it's probably one of the worst chapters, most disturbing in the Scripture. And Arnie said, this is what I like about Calvary. He goes, the pastors go through the whole Bible. You know, you don't get that everywhere. You know, I feel uncomfortable teaching some of this stuff because it's harsh. Not, not that God is harsh, but just the characterization of how wicked people can be towards each other. But again, we talked about this heinous crime that happened. You know, if you go on your cable news or your TV news or print news, is it really any different? In some, in some instances, we can be worse, Right we're so educated and so, um, civilized. And so we've come so far over thousands of years, but we're still depraved in our hearts. Human beings are, and that's why we need Jesus Christ. So after we cover judges, I'm going to go into Ruth and then first Samuel. So we're going to go into some of the historical books and, uh, check that out and see how that goes. So anyway, the Levite, he tells his story. You can see it in here. Um, it's very bizarre situation the men of Gibeah see a new man in town and they want to have relations with him sexually uh... and they're banging on the door trying to get in sort of what happened in you know Sodom right and instead this guy gets the bright idea to put his wife out there and they have her instead she ends up dying uh... and he's goes the next morning finds out she's dead is angry Well, what did he think was going to happen and he cuts her into pieces and sends each parts of her body into one of the tribes of Israel so they could see different parts of Israel so they could see what has happened and the heinous crime that was committed in Benjamin so again it's a, it's pretty gruesome and verse 7 he's basically urging them it's a call to action regarding this atrocity what are you guys going to do about this this is, this is awful so then we, he goes on or we go on in verse 8 and it says, Then all the people arose as one man, saying, None of us will go to his tent, nor will any of us turn our back to his house. Or turn, none of us will turn back to his house. But now this is the thing which we will do to Gibeah. We will go up against it by lot. We will take ten men out of every hundred throughout the tribe of Israel, a hundred out of every thousand, and a thousand out of every ten thousand. To make provisions for the people that when they come to Gibeah and Benjamin, they may repay all the vileness that they have done in Israel. So all the men of Israel were gathered against the city, united together as one man. So what you see is 10% of the fighting men of the tribes of Israel, except Benjamin, vowed to institute justice. And justice, of course, by the law. The law talked about uh, the penalties for murder. The law talked about the penalties for rape. As a matter of fact, in Deuteronomy 22, the penalty for rape was actually the death penalty. So it was pretty serious back then. You committed a crime back then, and they found out you were guilty. Um, you were done. It's not like today where you get endless appeals and loopholes and you know, every which way that you can let somebody go. Back then, if you were guilty, you were dealt with. Uh, so they vowed that none of them are even going to go home to their tribes until the guilty are brought to justice. Now in verse nine it says they came against Gibeah by lot. For those of you who don't know what that means, lot was a way to a lot was a way to uh, find out really God's will in a sense. Uh, Exodus twenty eight thirty he speaks about the urim and the thummim, and in, in Hebrew it means the lights and perfection. There were these. It was a device that the priest had in his breastplate of his garb, and um, it's it almost sort of like, like rolling dice. Right, Uh, they were some of them were like different colored rocks, different colored gems, and depending on how they came out, uh, God, if however He wanted His will to be done, He would make those rocks or dice or whatever come out in a certain fashion. So the high priest had really direct access to God, and if God didn't speak to him in an audible voice, He would speak to him through this, through this urim and thummim or this lot system. All right. You could say drawing straws, rolling dice. We don't know exactly how they did it back then, but it was kind of similar to that. Something would come up, and you would get your answer. Verse 12. Then the tribes of Israel sent men throughout all the tribe of Benjamin, saying, What is this wickedness that has occurred among you? Because Gibeah is located within the tribe of Benjamin. Now, therefore, deliver up the men, the perverted men who are in Gibeah, that we may put them to death and remove the evil from Israel. But the children of Benjamin would not listen to the voice of their brethren, the children of Israel. Instead, the children of Benjamin gathered together from their cities to Gibeah to go to battle against the children of Israel. And from their cities at that time, the children of Benjamin numbered 26,000 men who drew the sword, besides the inhabitants of Gibeah who numbered 700 select men. Now, a lot less, obviously, than all the rest of Israel combined. Right? They didn't have as many men, but you'll see what happens. Among all this people, there were 700 select men who were left-handed, everyone who could sling a, a stone at a hair's breadth and not miss. This is all they did all day, was practice these you know, slingshots and arrows, and these guys actually turned out to be like crackerjacks. They were incredible. Now, besides Benjamin, the men of Israel numbered 400,000 men who drew the sword. All of these men were men of war. They say the, um, the Scythians, the precursor to really Russians, right, uh, you see people groups migrate and move and then eventually turn into what we know as nations today. But the Scythians would uh, gallop on horseback, and they could, at a full gallop, the horse is going, you're going like this on the horse, they could take a bow and arrow and, and compensate for moving up and down, and they can hit their targets. These guys are amazing. The left handers? I don't know. But I'm, I'm just kind of giving you a different example. But, you know, if these guys had the slingshot, they wouldn't miss. It says out of a a hair's breadth, wherever their target was, they would hit it with that slingshot. So it's pretty wild. So the tribe of Israel, they all get together and they say to the tribe of Benjamin, if you basically give up these perverted men, we will spare innocent lives. And, you know... That's what you want to do. You you don't want to have unnecessary bloodshed. These people did this awful thing. you got to give them up. You know, don't don't protect them. So what happens is, oddly enough, the tribe of Benjamin says no. That's kind of bizarre, isn't it? This is God's people. Why would they protect these men? It was an embarrassment. But, you know, we can look at that today uh, in similar instances. Someone commits an act of terrorism. Uh, whether it's against Europe or the United States or Israel, whoever, give them up. And no, the countries will actually harbor and protect them. I believe that God will hold, and it's scriptural, God will hold nations accountable for what they do, all right? Uh, you could even look at some countries that even in some cases, well, you know, I don't want to single out any different, any country, but there are countries that will harbor fugitives, you know, those who were on the lam and they'll go to another country and they'll harbor them especially if they have money because they, wanna, you know, they want to they be blessed with the money but they don't give these people up because you know, it's, it's nefarious motives. So it happens today and, and if you harbor someone who does this evil, it's just that you're complicit with it. I want to read um, Wiersbe on the subject page 144 under the Be Available study. He says, some people may have interpreted the stubbornness of Benjamin as an act of patriotism. They were only trying to protect their own citizens, but their refusal to cooperate was definitely an act of rebellion against the Lord. When sin isn't exposed, confessed, and punished, it pollutes society and defiles the land. The wicked men of Gibeah were like a cancerous tumor in the body that had to be cut out. Now He he quotes from 1 Corinthians 5, your glorying is not good. Do you know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? We see it in society, when we let this kind of stuff happen. And you know, even in American society, we're so advanced, but we're so decadent at the same time. And you see this really uh, war, I guess you could say a culture war, between those who are, um, have conservative values as far as family values and those who want to expose children to things that they shouldn't be exposed to. And you see this war playing out in the United States, right? So, and and it does pollute society and actually it can pollute a church too. And we saw that in the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians. So this is a picture, what happened here is a picture of those that protect their sin. That's really what it is. It's emblematic of sin. Sin gives some type of gratification and the Benjamins don't want to let it go. But sadly, this happens with regular people and it also happens with believers at times, you know, um, They may dig their heels in or go down fighting uh, just to not have their sin exposed. And I've seen these things. I've seen situations where a believer will uh, know that they're in sin and they get confronted upon it, but they'll lie and they'll obfuscate and they'll run and they'll fight harder to not be found out than if they just would say, you know what, yeah, I did it and I need to go before the Lord. I'm sorry, I need to repent and then let it be forgiven. I have to tell you folks, even in my experience, in my life, you know, we can do things the easy way or the hard way. I know with me, there's been times where somebody's called me on the carpet for something, and I've, oh no, no, right away the defenses come up, you know, the shield, the force field is up, you know, the battle, you know, the guns are ready to point, and you just obfuscate and you, you you know, you you distract and you, you run. And then there's times where I've been busted on something and I just said, you know, you're right. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? And you know what? The fruit of forgiveness is so sweet. We see it, I, and I quoted it in, my, in praying today, 1 John 1.9. It says, if we forgive our sins or if we confess our sins, he, God, is faithful to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we experience the fruit of forgiveness when we give the fruits of repentance. But you know what? As believers, we do the same thing. If someone is really a mature believer and we've done something wrong, you give it up. I'm so sorry, will you forgive me? And it's so sweet to have that fruit of forgiveness to receive that. You mean you're not mad at me? No, it's, it's, it's done. And I've been on both sides of that. And I can tell you, it's just so much better when we just give it up and do it the easy way and just have that restored fellowship. But of course here, this was a picture of fighting and kicking and scratching and no way we're not giving it up. All right. Even in the church, you see some of the cover ups that are so embarrassing for these major denominations. Um, the worst one is the, the whole thing with the uh, the, the pedophiles in the clergy. You know, they cover it up, they quiet it and they send the, the clergy member to another parish. And those poor, unsuspecting people don't realize that they have a wolf in the midst of them. That, to me, is sick. Give that person up. They don't belong in, in ministry you know, these are, this, these are God's people you're dealing with. So I think we've all seen, we've all read the news, or we all know some type of history, what happens when sin is not dealt with, especially in the house of God. Verse 18. And the children of Israel arose and went up to the house of God to ask counsel of God. They said, quote, Which of us shall go up first to battle against the children of Benjamin? And the Lord said, Judah shall go up first. So the children of Israel rose in the morning and encamped against Gibeah, and the men of Israel went out to battle against Benjamin, and um, they beat Benjamin, and it was a great battle, and everybody was happy, and the end. No, it actually doesn't go like that. The men of Israel put themselves in battle array to fight against them at Gibeah. The children of Benjamin came out of Gibeah, and on that day cut down to the ground 22,000 men of the Israelites, the good guys, And the people, that is the men of Israel, encouraged themselves and, again, formed the battle line at the place where they had uh, put themselves in array on the first day. So they did it again. They figured, you know, I don't know what they were thinking. Maybe we did something wrong. Maybe we didn't have the battle lines right. Uh, You know, did the guys not get enough sleep? Whatever the deal was, they tried it again. But this really starts a series of perplexing, a perplexing portion of scripture. The children of Israel lose the first battle of a righteous fight. And if there was ever a righteous fight in the Old Testament, this was certainly on the top ten. Now, I read a few opinions because this is confusing to a lot of folks, even among Bible teachers. And I just was curious to what I had my opinion, but I just was curious about what they had to say. One commentary said that Israel had already made up their mind without checking with God. They only went up to the house of God to see who would go first. So in other words, they had their mind made up, but they, they didn't ask for the full counsel of God. They just wanted to know who was going to go up first. Another commentary said that the children of Israel needed to reflect on fighting their own brothers and killing them. It's interesting. And I'm going to say a lot of these reasons, some may be right, and it, it's possible that there was a variety of reasons why this happened. But let's continue. Verse 23, the second, uh, uh, the second time. Then the children of Israel went up and wept before the Lord until evening and asked counsel of the Lord, saying, Shall I again draw near for the battle against the children of my brother Benjamin? And the Lord said, Go up against him. So the children of Israel approached the children of Benjamin on the second day, and Benjamin went out against them from Gibeah on the second day and cut down to the ground 18,000 more of the children of Israel, all these that drew the sword." second time why is this happening you know this is where you ask those questions i don't understand you know sometimes god says yes but for some reason sometimes god says yes but not now or he says yes but not under these circumstances even as christians sometimes we can go before the lord and again be selective in what areas we're looking for prayer but we know that we have our mind set on other areas okay So this is very interesting. It's really a discipline. (laughs) I'm going to say this. It's really a discipline to completely walk in the counsel of God. So as believers, we shouldn't raise our hands real quickly to say, yes, I completely walk in the counsel of God. It is a very serious thing to walk in God's counsel. I looked to see what Chuck Smith said. He actually said, this is perplexing to him too, um, in scripture he says we can't completely understand why the Lord allowed this, but we trust him anyway, and that's the truth. I believe one day all of our questions will be answered. What I what I kind of thought of was I just to me, I feel that God wanted to show the children of Israel, everyone here in this involved in this, number one, the ugliness of sin, the power of sin, and the destruction of sin. Right? Gibeah was a picture of sin. It was a cancer. And the children of Israel had to defeat it. And it wasn't just a battle. See, we make a mistake as believers to think that, you know, we we have to win this battle. You know, on this side of eternity, we are in a war, folks. God is, it's good versus evil. It's how many God can get into his kingdom of heaven. And oddly enough, he employs us to help him, which is really an honor if we think about that. But once we put ourselves into the arena, once we're born again of the spirit, you know, we we just put a bullseye on ourselves. And we now are in the war, and some battles will win, and some battles will lose. But the mindset has to be, it's going to be a long war. And only God says when the war is over. In the meantime, we fight that war on his side. So this was going to be a long war. Verse 26. Then all the children of Israel, that is, all the people went up and came to the house of God and wept. They sat there before the Lord and fasted that day until evening. And they offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. Now, it's interesting. The first time, listen, nothing is in here for no reason or coincidence. The first time they said, you know, let's go. Who, who's going to go up first? The second time the children of Israel said, "Who shall, shall we go up against our brother, Benjamin? Okay, they realized the seriousness of who they were fighting, their own flesh and blood. The third time, they wept, and they fasted, and they offered sacrifices to the Lord. So you see, each time, the children of Israel really understand the depth of what they're dealing with here. So the children of Israel inquired of the Lord, the Ark of the Covenant of God was there in those days, and Phineas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, stood before it in those days, saying, shall I yet go out to battle against the children of my brother Benjamin, or shall I cease? And the Lord said, Go up, for tomorrow I will deliver them into your hands. Then Israel set men in ambush all around Gibeah, and the children of Israel went up against the children of Benjamin on the third day and put themselves in battle array against Gibeah as at other times. So the children of Benjamin went out against the people and were drawn away from the city. They began to strike down and kill some of the people as at other times in the highways, one of which goes up to Bethel and the other to Gibeah. And in the field, about 30 men of Israel. So it's not starting to look so good right away. And the children of Benjamin said, They are struck down before us as at first. But the children of Israel said, Let us flee and draw them away from the city to the highways. So all the men of Israel rose from their place and put themselves in battle array at Baal Tamar. Then Israel's men in ambush uh, burst forth from their position in the plain of Geba. And 10,000 select men from all Israel came against Gibeah, and the battle was fierce. But the Benjaminites did not know that disaster was upon them. The Lord defeated Benjamin before Israel, and the children of Israel destroyed that day 25,100 Benjamites, all these who drew the sword. Kind of reminds me of Matthew 17, where, you know, the disciples, some of the disciples are there, and they're, you know, guys got a demon-possessed child, and... Uh, They're trying to cast out the demon and it isn't working. And Jesus, of course, always comes in to save them. No matter what they were into, Jesus would come in and just save the day. And he said, I tell you the truth, that this kind of demon does not come out except by prayer and fasting. And there are going to be some battles that we just don't understand. Well, I'm on the side of righteousness. What am I doing wrong? That may be true. But how serious are we about doing what the Lord has called us to do? You see? Sometimes it takes fasting and prayer. Sometimes the problems are so insurmountable that it takes persistence and seriousness and the ability and the willingness to pull out all the stops. This is actually, to me, I read this, this is very sobering to me because it's just how serious that this portion of Scripture is. Are there times in my life, are there times in our lives where maybe there was a battle that we could have won, but we gave up, we weren't serious about it, you know, we just figured a little prayer at the end of the night, that should do the trick. It's pretty, pretty amazing stuff. It's quite possible that God said yes all along, but he wanted them to repent and deal with their sins. Even though they were righteous, they were still sinners. Deal with your sins first before you go into this battle against your brother, your own flesh and blood. Now they could be victorious because they had clean hands. And maybe there are some things, uh, ladies and gentlemen, in our lives that God wants us to do that God wants us to be victorious uh, with, but our hearts need to be right first and the hypocrisy issues need to be dealt with, that we all, we all have. Verse 36, this is kind of like the mop-up effort um, at the end. So the children of Benjamin saw that they were defeated. The men of Israel had given ground to the Benjamites because they relied on the men in ambush whom they had set against Gibeah. And the men in ambush quickly rushed upon Gibeah the men in ambush spread out and struck the whole city with the edge of the sword. Now the appointed signal between the men of Israel and the men in ambush was that they could, they would make a great cloud of smoke rise up from the city, whereupon the men of Israel would turn in battle. Now Benjamin had begun to strike and kill about 30 of the men of Israel, for they said surely they are defeated before us as is in the first battle. But when the cloud began to rise from the city in a column of smoke, this should bring back memories, right? The Benjaminites took them, took, look behind them, and there was the whole city going up in smoke to heaven. And when the men of Israel turned back, the men of Benjamin panicked, for they saw that disaster had come upon them. Therefore they turned their backs before the men of Israel in the direction of the wilderness, but the battle overtook them. And whoever had come out of the cities, they destroyed in their midst. You know, this, a lot of this stuff is, is really military strategy. And what's interesting is even some today, if they're good Bible students, if they're in the, in the armed forces, will use some of these strategies. Uh, so this is what they did. You know, they, They're fighting, they drew the men away from the city. They made them think that they were gonna win, as, as usual. They drew them further away from the city. And now there was a great void between the city and the fighting forces. And then the men of Israel went and you know, set fire, started setting fire to the city with the smoke. So now they're, 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 some of them might have tapped each other and said, look, our city's on fire. Now you got them further divided. And then they start fleeing. You know, if you if you demoralize a, um, a fighting unit, you can win a battle, even if maybe you shouldn't have won it. So a lot of this stuff, you know, is um, really military strategy. So they had them scattered. They had them frightened. They had them fleeing. And this was, again, the mop-up effort. Uh, where was I? Verse three, forty All right, somebody was paying attention. <laughs> they surrounded the Benjamites and chased them and easily trampled them down as far as the front of Gibeah toward the east. And 18,000 men of Benjamin fell. All these were men of valor. And they turned and fled toward the wilderness to the rock of Rimmon, And they cut down 5,000 of them on the highways. Then they pursued them relentlessly up to Gidom and killed 2,000 of them. So all who fell of Benjamin that day were 25,000 men who drew the sword. All these were men of valor. They were warriors. But 600 men turned back and fled toward the wilderness to the rock of Rimon. And they stayed at the Rock of Rimmon for four months. And the men of Israel turned back against the children of Benjamin and struck them down with the edge of the sword from every city, men and beasts, all who were found. They also set fire to all the cities they came to. So if we're going to listen, if we're going to look at this as dealing with sin, um, the children of Israel were serious. They were, in, in a sense, ruthless, mirthless, merciless in dealing with this evil. Uh, and the same must be employed with sin. Again, it's it's hard for us to completely wrap our minds about around this, but we have to trust the Lord. There were cities that the children of Israel went to in Canaan, and He said, "Just strike them all down." Uh, and you say, "Wow, that sounds harsh." But in other instances, when Israel didn't listen, a remnant from the ones they didn't strike down started started to grow. They started to continue their paganism, and they started infecting the children of Israel. So when God says something, may not understand it, but it's something that we need to do. If it's in his word, it's something we need to, to, to deal with. Uh, this probably was a, a monument that said, this is the destruction that sin brings. It was a reminder, no doubt, that the historians uh, for years had looked back at this and said, this was, how did this awful thing happen? And they said, well, this was the incident that set fire to it. All right. um, we see this also strategy used by Joshua in the book of Joshua so when I said doesn't this look familiar the whole thing with the drawing them out and then setting fire to the city and the ambush so you see a, a similar pattern here now percent wise the, Benjamin, the Benjamite, Benjamite fighting men were almost completely wiped out they took heavy losses remember the Benjamites were only one twelfth of the, of the entire land of Israel so the, the number that you're looking at they, they paid a big price for unrepentant sin in their camp. I'm just going to kind of go through just some quick things before we close. Um, and this I kind of headed, humbling of a nation in sin. You know, I, some people believe there was a, a book, I can't remember the author, written. It's called The Light and the Glory, about how God, what's his name? Uh, Columbus. Yes, and how God had his hand on the new world, America. Well, you know, there was a time period in, in our history when half the country you know brother against brother, father against son, and really a lot of it really had to do with owning slaves. Peter Marshall, Peter Marshall thank you. Awesome. So what you see is that uh, um, you see that God probably or wanted this country to prosper, but he probably said not that way, not by owning slaves. You know, And we had to deal with that issue in our country. Um, I've, I've talked about Germany. Germany was a great nation. Uh, it's, it's rebuilt itself to be a great nation again. But uh, 15 attempts on Hitler's life, the last one, it failed. And you wonder, God, why didn't you let, just let the bomb blow Hitler up? But I wonder sometimes if, if Germany was allowed to you know, kill Hitler at the end and then just say, OK, nothing happened here. Nobody would have known about the concentration camps. Nobody would have known about the evils of what the nation was doing. I believe God just allowed it to, to let evil play itself out. The world needed to know what happened in a concentration camp. So the world needed to know what evils were going on in that nation. So God allowed Germany, Hitler not to be destroyed and Germany to lose and for everything to be exposed. You look at Habakkuk in Israel. I mean, these are example after example after example. The book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk prays to the Lord. He's a prophet. He goes, Oh, my people are so wicked, Lord. What are we going to do about this? Hey, Habakkuk, no problem. The Babylonians are coming. They're going to make this place a you know, turn into a parking lot. And uh, Habakkuk is like, God, no. I mean, we're bad, but they're vile. How could you? And then he just trusts God. Um, you look at the world's inhabitants during the tribulation period with the Antichrist, right? It's going to be, hey, we love this guy. The world is going to put him up on a pedestal. They're going to worship him as the Messiah. A lot of evil is going to happen in this tribulation period. All right? And you know what? Who knows? America, I believe we will be held responsible for our associations. I think it was Billy Graham that said if God doesn't deal with America, he'll have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. You know what I'm saying? You know? Who do we protect in America? Who do we associate with? And honestly, as believers we go in there and exercise our freedom to vote and we pull the lever, I believe God will hold us accountable for what we know when we pull those levers. You know, I mean, that's a, a serious responsibility to have the right to vote, you know. What do we do as Americans? So, and, and just another analogy here, you could look at what happened in Judges. You can make the analogy of the children of Israel as a body, which was done. And as a body, the whole thing with Gibeah was a cancer to the body. And if it wasn't dealt with and excised, um, you know, the whole nation would have suffered for it. So in conclusion, I would just say we should look at the sin in our life and get tough with it. I think, if anything, this is a sobering picture of repentance. It's a sobering picture of just own it. If you own part of it, own it. You know what I'm saying? Seek the forgiveness from God. Seek the forgiveness for those that we've, we've wronged and um, that we can be free from it. Let's pray.